Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. We are joined <laughs> by an artist. Mark Chatterley is a sculptor. If you want to see what we're talking about, you can go on chatterley.com, C H A T T E R L E Y, chatterley.com. He has 30 years' experience in figurative sculpture. He's nationally and internationally renowned. And how did we come upon Mark Chatterley? Well, taking a trip to Chattanooga, Tennessee, there's one thing that I remember very clearly. There were these statues that my wife and I saw, and it just stopped us dead in our tracks. And we returned once, twice, and then a third time before to say goodbye to the statues. And I checked out the website, and it's a pleasure to say welcome, Mark Chatterley. How are you, sir? Well, thank you uh, for the opportunity to talk to you. I, I'm fine. And uh, by the way, if you spell my name wrong with you know the L Y, you get Madam Chatterley's House of Bondage. So you have to be careful how you do that. So. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Make sure you have the right website. There. Go there first, then come visit me. <laughs> Would you say that there's a dominant theme in your work? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm more of an explorer. I explore the metaphysics, um, and I'm sort of a primal sculptor where I don't do hyper-realistic figures. Mine look like they've been dug up, uh, from, uh, some ancient civilization, you know, and, uh, but... So I guess there is a theme. You can recognize it as my work. There's a look. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty wide range in, uh, in subject, though. So I go across the board. Uh, on my figures, um, I, you know, clothes are too hard to do, so they're nude. And the figures are bald because uh, clothes and hairstyles date a piece. So I'm hoping to uh, have figures that are uh, relevant, you know, long after I'm gone. and They'll still look fresh. Now, is that something you think about? Do you, do you think ever about when I'm gone, people will still have these pieces of art and they'll be looking at them? Yeah, you know, it's in the back of my mind. And the older I get, uh, the more I think about it. I'm 61 now. And, you know, uh, mortality is sort of, you know, raising the flags and things aren't working as well as they used to. So I think about all this legacy that I've made and working with clay, you can't melt it down again. So most of the time we discover what a civilization was about by the clay shards that were left behind. If it was metal, they can melt it down and we lose a lot of pieces. So... I'm sure I'll be filling in driveways and all sorts of stuff when I'm gone, but maybe a few pieces will, you know, be left behind in the long period. <laughs> and looking on the website, I noticed there's not just sculptures. There's also some some 2D art as well, some some paintings. Right. So I um, I'm a frustrated painter. I 
you know, went to school. I got a master's in this stuff, and uh, you know they teach you how to paint and stuff. So, but painting for me is uh, harder to sell. I don't do you know pretty landscapes and stuff. I do more of personal innerscapes. I call them. I was using instant coffee as a starting point and using it as a Rorschach test. And I would look at the the splots on the paper, and then they turn into things. And so. They're a little surreal, you know, very personal, um, and it's sort of like putting myself out there. Um, and I enjoy doing it. So this is what I do to relax is I draw. Um, but th the way I make my living is to mostly selling sculptures now. And the sculptures that I was talking about at the beginning of our talk, correct me if I'm mispronouncing this, it's... Pronounced Birdzells? Birdzells, yes. All right, so I have to give you a little backstory to this piece. A couple of years ago, I was stacking figures on top of each other, and then people would read sexual content to them. And I would be in public places that, you know, it was juried and everything, and then people would complain, thinking they were doing wild monkey sex. And eventually I just got tired of people bringing their baggage to the work and seeing stuff that's not really there. So I tried to design a piece that wouldn't offend anybody, but that was fun. Uh, sort of cross between an emoji, anime, and angry birds. And I came up with this Birdzel piece. So I made a babble of Birdzels for... Uh, uh, Chattanooga, and uh, they're all sitting there by the river, you know, facing one direction, having fun. <laughs> so. And what do they mean to you, the Birdsels? Well, they, uh, they, it's more of, of what our time is. So the, we always, well, back up a little bit, our cell phones, we always put these. Uh, emojis in there you know smiley face or something well this is sort of like a feeling that i have it's fun it's they're sort of impressive they're they're seven feet tall so they're in your face but they're not threatening they're sort of have this surprised look about them um it's just a a fun public piece that uh i just hope people would enjoy just for the sake of having an object that sort of looked animal-like, but nothing like that exists. How's that? <laughs> Interesting. Well, they're certainly wonderful to look at. Well, I appreciate that. You know, it's doing this for so long, it's hard to come up with something that's never been done before. And there's some people that say that everything's been done, it's just been rehashed in different ways. So, um, the longer you do it, the less op options you have. They say that, um, you know, a, a beginner has more options than an expert. So um, I, I'm trying to be a, a beginner in my work. I think that's, that's a goal, you know, to try to be childlike and play more. And, and it's hard sometimes. Hmm. Now, at the beginning of the interview, before we went on the air, you were saying, let me turn down the radio for a second. And so I'm curious, is there any kind of ritual that you that you have when you're creating 
I remember interviewing Gene Wilder, and he said, I listen to classical music because when I listen to music with lyrics, I get distracted by what they're saying. So what about you? Is there any kind of ritual? Uh, th- there is, and um, you know, I like classical, but I want to listen to music that's the composers are still alive. They're making music for our time. So I also like uh, trance, electronic, um, I guess the best way to, to say it. Uh, so the longer the song, the better, because I work on several pieces at once during the day. And then when the song changes, it's like my mental thought process changed. So I have to move on to a different piece. So the longer the song, the better. Um, and uh, words, they, you know, they do get in the way sometimes, you know, the content, but the, um, I, I think, electronic um, house music, you know, something with the beat to keep me going. Because I work alone, but, you know, I put in a good eight hours a day. So you have to keep moving, uh, and music helps. Do you think that there are any misconceptions about you? <laughs> um, well, sure. <laughs> Especially, I've, I've had trouble with two pieces um, that uh, people read content in it that I didn't intend. And so they probably think that I'm some sex fiend in, you know, in the backwoods of Michigan making weird sculptures, but it's not like that. I, uh, I like to play, and I enjoy making things, and um, if I wanted to make obscene pieces, I, you would know it, because <laughs> I have the ability to do that. But you know, it, for me, I, uh, I'm serious, but I also want to play, and, and that's you know, half the fun. We, you know, we're not on this planet very long, so uh, I make it miserable. You might as well enjoy what you're doing. Uh, figured out how to make a living doing that. Well, what would you say is the hardest thing, the hardest thing about being an artist? I think sales. You know, I really don't like openings, but it's a necessary evil. Um, because if somebody's going to buy your piece, they would like to meet you and talk, you know, and I get that. But uh as I said, I work alone, and then all of a sudden you have 20 people that want to talk to you, and uh, it's just a different mindset. So sales are tough. That's why I like the gallery system, but that's changing with the Internet. Uh, so I have to figure out another way to uh, market my work. Uh, still, there's galleries out there, but they're few and far between. You know, The brick-and-mortar stores are, are leaving yeah, I think that's the hardest part. Well, and, and the next hardest part is lifting this stuff. You know, when I was 20, it was nothing to live a, lift a 100-pound piece and walk around with it. But now uh, they're starting to feel heavy, and I think that uh, I should have become a jeweler when I was younger. But um, they they can do a show in a suitcase, and I have to have this big cargo van to, to go across the country with work. So. So that's all I have to say on that. Oh, wow. I didn't (laughs) even think about that, the logistics of moving such a big piece. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's a whole nother aspect. And, you know, you get to know it. When I do shows, I drive the work. But if I sell one piece at a time, 
then you have to you know deal with shipping. Uh, so I build these coffins and put the bodies in, and then they can either go common freight or they're art uh, carriers uh, who come in and pick it up and do the red carpet treatment. But nobody thinks about the shipping with the work. Uh, they think the price tag, and they should just get it home no matter where they live. Uh, and that's always an issue that I have to deal with. Uh, but, you know, it's just part of the business. Hmm. What would you say is the best thing about being Mark Chatterley? <laughs> well, it's sort of the best and worst. I get to be my own boss. You know, sometimes you know it's a real pain to work for. And uh, other times it's just delightful just walking out the back door to my studio and working all day long, and all of a sudden it's dinner time. You know, that, that's a good day. So I think that's a good, good thing. Are you more of somebody who is is uh, naturally solitary, or are there times during the day where you find yourself getting a little lonely? Uh, you know, I come from a big family. I'm the oldest of five kids. Um, so maybe there has something to do with that. I just needed to get away from that whole, you know, th there's a lot of energy with the big family. Um, I, you know, I, that's a tough one. I haven't really thought about that. I'm fine with my own thoughts. Sometimes the voices in my head get a little loud and then I just have to turn up the music. But, uh, it, in order to put content into the work, I think you need some alone time to work them through. And, you know, with my imagination, you know, I'm, I guess I'm never bored. So uh, just always something to do. It's just not enough time. Hmm. Now, you were mentioning a second ago dinner. This probably seems <laughs> like it's <laughs> it comes from outer space. But what would you say your favorite meal is? Oh, that's a good one. Um I like it when I barbecue, but uh, my wife's a great cook, uh, and so anything she puts in front of me, is, I know it's going to be good. But, you know, for like, uh, all right, so what I like to do is go with a large group of people, and there are restaurants that serve those little tiny dishes, and just go and you share family style. And what you do is if enough people, you get everything on the menu, and then you take two hours to eat. And for me, that's a, a great meal. What would you say your favorite sound is? Hmm. You know, I like Buddhism and that Om sound. You know, I also like, you know, when they hit the bell and it just vibrates. I like... Uh, quantum physics and i think that everything is vibrating itself into existence you know particle physics and stuff but so sound you know, i think is very important for me you know music can affect the kind of work i do if it's a hard rock you know sometimes i take out my stick and start hitting things but <laughs> if, if i want to do something a little softer you know then more meditative and I'm building, uh, then you, you tone it down. So vibrations affect me a lot. And uh, I think, well, I think I have this thing called synesthesia, 
where uh, you hear sounds and you see colors. So it's normal for me, and I I can go to a symphony or a concert and have a whole light show, but nobody else gets. So um, it's sort of fun. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you a, a meditator? I like to do it more. I uh, do Tai Chi, and every once in a while I do yoga. The best time for me to do that kind of stuff is in the morning, but uh, if I have a cup of coffee before that, then I just can't sit. So I, I try to meditate. But I also, when I do shows across the country, it's like a long-distance meditation to go. And I like to listen to stories to help the, the miles go by. That's interesting. Tell us, what do you mean by that? It's like a long-distance meditation. Well, you, you can get into the flow of traffic. You know, there there's a pattern. You can find the people are really aggressive on the left-hand side and going, or there is the ones that are doing the speed limit, you know, and they're not into it to pass everybody. And then you sort of get into the flow of the traffic. It's like a river. And, you know, that's when, you know, the miles go by faster. It's just when you get excited to be someplace faster and that's when issues start happening you know you, you take more chances and stuff so for me it's like a meditation hmm interesting i always like to end my interviews very very open i like to give the guests the stage okay you can um, go anywhere what would you say to the people <laughs> <laughs> well i uh I like shamanism, and uh, what that is, it's like uh, ancient medicine men. Um, what I found interesting is there's a shaman in almost every culture around the world, somebody who can see through the veil, who can read people, you know, look at energies, and sort of tune into life. And th that's something that I'm interested in. Uh, I'm not a shaman, but I can appreciate it. And uh, it's something I like to explore. Well, my last question. Okay. <laughs> Who is Mark Chatterley? Uh, he's, he's a guy that's just trying to make a living and not hurt anybody along the way and uh, enjoys people. And, uh, but it's also as enjoys his own self. And, uh, he's just, uh, that's, that's, I think I'll leave it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, well, thank you very much for giving of your time. Well, my pleasure. And you had some very interesting questions that I really hadn't thought about. So that was on the fly. So. But thank you. Hope it works out. It does. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, sir, have a wonderful night. All right. Thank you. You too. Bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. Outro music, composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. 
It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ThePaulLeslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.